Blog Talk Radio. Deadline. 
President Kazai told the U.S. in his address to Afghan Parliament that local security forces were strong enough to defend Afghanistan without Washington's assistance. And the remark goes, the Afghan military uh, already protects 93% of the war-ravaged country. Uh, They're doing pretty good on their own. The President also warned that the U.S.-led NATO countries against continuous meddling in Afghanistan internal affairs. He says, I want to say to all those foreign countries who may be out of habit or because they want to interfere, that they should not interfere. All right? And the remarks come... Well, he's making a lot of kinds of funny noises there, Lyle. And the remarks come amid a standoff between the U.S. and Afghan leaders over the security arrangement agreement that allows the U.S. to keep thousands of its troops in Afghanistan beyond the 2014 withdrawal date from from foreign troops. Well, President Kassai still refuses to sign a deal despite increasing pressure from Western diplomats and defense officials. Kazai has frequently accused the U.S. of absolutely acting like a colonial power in its attempts to force him to sign the security agreement. Well, Afghan political groups have also warned that things will get worse should the U.S. set up permanent military bases in Afghanistan. They have also heaped scorn on the U.S.-led forces for committing unforgivable crimes against Afghan women and children since invading the country in 2001. And thousands of Afghan civilians, including a large number of women and children, have been killed during night raids by foreign forces and CIA-run killer drone strikes. Okay, the U.S. and the... That's weird. I don't know. Don't get that? Didn't get that. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Are you got it on voice? No, I don't. I don't. I had it right on the thing that I wanted to be on. Here it is. The U.S. and the EU are making Europeans suffer. It's a price worth paying to punish Russia over the Ukraine. U.S. President Barack Obama is ready to impose sanctions on Moscow over its thinly disguised takeover of Crimea. In a phone call between the U.S. leader and Russian President Vladimir Putin, the two men are said to have disagreed over the legitimacy of the Moscow-backed secession referendum. Both Washington and European foreign ministers meeting in Brussels today are likely to decide to slap targeted sanctions on several Russian officials, assets and bank accounts. While the West has said it will not recognize the referendum result, military action has been ruled out. All sides have stressed the necessity to stabilize the situation in Ukraine and a need to deploy international monitors in the crisis-torn country. Well, guess who all those sanctions will fall on? Those costs will undoubtedly fall on the people of Europe, who will suffer in the wake of economic sanctions. EU bureaucrats and Western politicians, however, have announced they are willing to make Europeans suffer in order to punish Russia. The West could also suffer if Russia cuts off energy supplies to Europe and further squeezes the Ukrainian economy. The Washington Post reports today, but Western officials say that this price they are willing to pay and have pledged that they are willing to pay this price and they have pledged economic support to the Ukraine. 
So, you know, to tell you the truth, um, we get nothing to bargain with, you know. <coughs> Thanks. Excuse me, sir. I have a <coughs> allergies and a cold, so sorry. Onion extract, uh, slow colon cancer growth, just as effectively as chemo drug. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, <coughs> so everybody who's suffering with chemotherapy, can eat some onions. I'm going to that article now. Hang on a researchers have just discovered that flavonoids extracted from common onions slow the rate of colon cancer growth in mice just as effectively as chemotherapy drugs. And while the mice on chemo saw their LDL cholesterol go up, a possible side effect on the drug, the mice on onion extract actually saw their LDL levels drop. Okay. So onion flavonoids slow colon tumor uh, growth by 67% in vivo. In, the, in this study, researchers fed three different doses of flavonoid extracts from onion, an oral, chem, an, an oral chemo drug uh, of saline as, uh, as controlled to mice, along with a high-fat diet. A fatty diet was used to induce high blood uh, fat and cholesterol uh, since this is a major risk factor for colon cancer. And many human colon cancer patients have this condition. Well, the highest dose of onion extract slowed, slowed the growth of colon tumors by 67% compared to the controls uh, after three weeks. The mice on chemo had their cancer growth slowed slightly more, but there was no uh, statistically significant difference compared to high-dose onion extract. Um, however, there was a major difference in side effects experienced by the mice. Onion flavonoids, major benefit without the side effects. Chemo drugs are known to carry some serious side effects, and the drug uh, used in this study was no exception. Some 100 possible side effects are known, including coma, temporary blindness, loss of ability to speak, convulsions, paralysis, and collapse. It is also known that the chemo drug may induce uh, hyperlipidemia um, in uh, humans, and that is exactly what uh, happened with the mice. Their average LDL um, cholesterol levels went up significantly. Not surprisingly, Onion extract had the opposite effect and significantly lowered the mice's LDL levels. It's interesting. Huh? How about uh, this one? Yeah, it goes on and on. No, there's more, but it says it's effective in uh, mouth and larynx cancer, larynx, uh, ovarian, uh, 73%. Uh, these are all reductions. Okay. So and, you should eat plenty of onion? Large bowel, 56%, uh, kidney, and breast <laughs> cancer. Says, um, the onion fights multiple cancers at the right dose. Garlic, leeks, chives, shallots, onions, and scallions, or green onions, which are just young onions, are all allium vegetables. And previous, I just said that. Yeah, they're all, that's the, the last part. Well, I just said that, allium vegetables. Previous studies have shown that these vegetables protect against multiple cancers. However, onions often emerge as the most powerful single vegetable 
simply because we eat more of them. A uh, recent study from Switzerland and Italy has shed light on just how much we need. Eating up to seven portions of onions per week has most minimal has mostly minimal effects. However, eating more than seven portions weekly huh, okay, has the following remarkable uh, risk reductions for cancer. So you gotta eat more than seven meals? Onions a day every day I guess you have to have onions. Uh-huh. Excuse me. The mountain larynx larynx yeah, isn't it? All the risk reductions have statistical significance except for breast cancer, which was borderline. Now, once again, we see that the healthy whole foods we commonly eat can have a major impact on our health and cancer risk if we just eat enough of them. Food. Perhaps food really is the best medicine. There you go. How, how about this? Professor, Onions. Professor calls for climate change deniers to be imprisoned. Yeah. That's some wackos. I'd like to make five points to you about Americans' perception of the environment in this year, 2014. First of all, Americans clearly are paying attention to the temperature. We've asked Americans each of the last three years, had the temperatures been warmer or colder than usual? And for 2012 and 2013, Americans certainly tilted towards saying it had been warmer than usual. This year, a complete turnaround, 66% of Americans say the temperature has been colder this year than usual. So clearly Americans are aware of the fact that this has been a cold winter. Not all Americans, of course, concerned about how cold it is. Look at the differences by region in front of you there. Out in the West, only a quarter say it's been colder than usual. But in the East and Midwest, we've got almost 9 out of 10 residents who say it's colder than usual. Second point, Americans do not believe that the colder-than-usual temperatures are due to global warming. At least they tilt away from that. We gave them the choice, those who said it had been colder. Is this global warming, climate change, or is it normal variations in the temperature? You see the numbers there in front of you, 19 to 46. Americans say it is normal variations rather than climate change or global warming. We asked the same question about those who said it was getting warmer than usual, and this was a couple of years ago, and we found the same idea. Even when we used the word warming, more Americans said it was normal than due to global warming. So these temperature variations, my point is here, are not perceived by Americans as being global warming. They're seen by more Americans as being normal variations. Point three, everything is political. Look at the differences there. Republicans totally reject the idea that uh, the colder temperatures are due to global warming, climate change. Democrats tilt in the direction of saying, eh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. They split about equally, but clearly different than Republicans. Point four, what about the drought? Well, you know, although there's huge discussion about the drought out in California and the problems it's causing, the perception that there is a drought in your area is actually lower now in 2014 than it has been at points in the past. See, some previous times we've asked this. Back in 1999, half of Americans said there was a drought in their area. This year, that's just 25%. Of course, 65% of residents out in the West say there's a drought. So clearly, this is very localized out in the Western states. Same question. My fifth point here, we asked those who said there was a drought due to global warming or normal variations in rainfall 
And again, you find the tilt is the same. The drought is due to normal variations rather than global warming. Bottom line here is Americans are aware of the changes out there in the rainfall, in the temperature, but on an average basis, Americans are less likely to say that's due to climate change or global warming, more likely to say it's due to normal variations. I'm Dr. Frank Newport, Gallup Editor-in-Chief. Okay. That's interesting. But a professor with the Rochester Institute of Technology has called for the incarceration of any Americans who actively disagree that climate change is slowly caused solely caused by human activity. Lawrence Torcello, a philosophy professor with a PhD from the University of Buffalo, published the comments as part of an essay submitted to the academic website The Conversation. Torcello argues that malignant individuals, whom he does not identify, are collectively organized that campaign funding misinformation about climate change. Priscilla goes on to suggest that such activity ought to be considered criminally negligent. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Really amazing. Well, you know, I'm getting off that. I thought I'd yeah, put that right in there. Very interesting. But let's get on to uh, a little education here. Common Core Math Education intentionally is designed to make American children mentally ill. I read that article. Does that make sense to you? I was. I've never seen anything like that. Well, you're not a math teacher either. So. Well, I see a lot of math. It's the the thing that they presented was not anything that I've seen. I have to tell you that. If you look around America today, mathematical mental illness is found everywhere. <laughs> it's found in the federal budget, where numbers only mean what we are told they mean, not that they really mean. And mental illness is also found in medicine where mentally ill victims of mercury and vaccine viciously attack parents who seek to protect their children from those very same vaccines. It's also found in a new Common Core curriculum, spearheaded by the federal government, which seems initially designed to make children mentally ill and as confused as possible. Case in point, see the homework assignment from an elementary school in New York. The mathematics exercise instructs children to draw the cubes you colored in the numbers bond, and then show the hidden patterns on your fingers to an adult. The final instruction asks students to color the fingers you choose. <laughs> I do PHP level work in analytical chemistry and code complex uh, relation, uh, re- relational databases, yet despite my best efforts to grasp this common core exercise, I have no idea what on earth this lesson is attempting to teach. Here's the homework assignment. See if you can figure it out. Oh, my God, just look me at that. I've never seen anything like that. By examining these lessons, I feel a genuine sense of alarm for the future of America. If even the people writing mathematic lessons can't communicate clearly, then we are rapidly descending into idiocracy. The real aim seems to be about making school children mentally ill so that they cannot possibly understand the federal budget deficit, national debt, or the coming collapse of the U.S. dollar, which will destroy their paychecks and life savings when it ultimately happens. The mystery of the shaded parts. <laughs> Here's another Common Core uh, lesson 
It just baffles the mind. The lesson asks children to match the picture with a fraction that names the shaded part. And you can see this whole thing is bizarre. Well, there's no shading. There's no shading. There's no shading here. Right? So, as you can clearly see, there is no shaded parts. But yet, this appears to be the whole point, to drive children insane by making them believe they cannot grasp reality. Well, your school child can get extra credit, as you see at the bottom left of the sheet, by telling how you made each match. Well, I have no doubt the correct answer here would be along the lines of, I use government math to figure it out. <coughs> the pretty one is the best answer. The worst math question in human history. <laughs> so finally, there's one more common core exercise that the Daily Caller has named the worst math question in human history. Here's a scan of the question. Juanita wants to give bags of stickers to her friends. She wants to give the same number of stickers to each friend. She's not sure if she needs four bags or six bags of stickers. How many stickers could she buy so there are no stickers left over? Makes no sense. <laughs> okay. Juanita wants to give bags of stickers to her friends. She wants to give the same number of stickers to each friend. But she's not sure if she needs four bags or six bags of stickers. How many stickers could she buy so there's no stickers left over? Well, this question really only makes sense if you place stickers in bags of cocaine. <laughs> if you replace stickers with bags yeah. of cocaine, then it that actually sounds slightly less insane, figuring that people who snort bags of cocaine probably don't care much about mathematics in the first place. Right? Well, Juanita wants to give bags of cocaine to her friends. She wants to give the same number of bags of cocaine to each friend. She's not sure if she needs four bags or six bags of cocaine. How many bags of cocaine could she buy so there are no bags of cocaine left over? Of course, the answer, of course, is five. <laughs>
An increasing number of Americans are becoming more aware of just how damaging to the world's food system GMOs have become. The rise in food allergies and gluten sensitivities are evidence that GM foods have impacted the global food chain in a negative and dangerous way. As such, millions of Americans agree that at the very minimum, GM foods ought to carry labeling designating them as such, just like labeling requirements for ingredients in other foods. Some states are beginning to get the message and are responding to demands by their citizens to require such labeling. As reported by Prevention Magazine, Connecticut and Maine are two states that are moving in that direction. Also, our editor-in-chief, Mike Adams, the health ranger, has reported extensively on recent efforts in California to require GMO labeling. There might be a little more to this article, folks. Let me go to the rest of it. So far, the federal government has resisted requiring GM foods to be labeled, no doubt in part due to intense lobbying by the food industry, which does not want to label GM foods for some reason. But such resistance to labeling means that Americans who want to avoid GM foods are basically on their own to figure out what to avoid. So um, to the rescue, the Environmental Working Group, a pro-GMO labeling environmental nonprofit, has just released a shopper's guide to, afford, to, to avoiding GE foods to make it a little easier for people to avoid GMOs and genetically engineered foods. The reason why it's so important, so that's, uh, the Environmental Working Group has released the Shoppers Guide to Avoiding Genetically Engineered Foods, but it doesn't really say where to get that, folks. The reason why it's so important to require GMO labeling is because of their potential to cause ill effects in those who consume them. Besides the fact that such crops have never been adequately tested for safety, Farmers are increasingly being forced to use more and more potent and toxic herbicides in order to compensate uh, for the problems with these GMOs. Also, the widespread adoption of GM crops by American farmers has endangered organic farming due to unintended contamination of organic crops, mostly through agricultural runoff and cross-pollination. EWG cites one estimate from the Union of Concerned Scientists that the potential lost income for farmers growing organic corn may total $90 million annually, all because their crops get unknowingly contaminated by nearby GMO farmers. So without labeling, how do you avoid GM food? Here are some ways you can reduce your exposure. Stick with the organic stuff. Under the U.S. Department of Agriculture's, Agriculture's organic program, farmers are prohibited from planting seeds that have been genetically engineered. Also, organic food producers are prohibited from using ingredients that come from GM crops, soy, corn, and canola, for example. 
Organic regulations also prohibit organic dairy and livestock operations from using GMO grains. Again, corn and soy to feed their animals. One thing to remember, not all the organic foods are good for everyone. Derek Henry reported in January five organic foods that may damage your digestive tract include wheat, soy, peanut butter, cow's milk, and pork. Make sure you buy non-GMO project verified. The non-GMO project begins when organic certification ends. The project certifies products that have less than 0.9% GMO contamination. Check labels and dodge the factory four, corn, soy, and sugar. The latter from genetically modified sugar beets and vegetable oils that are made from GM crops are the four most common GM ingredients you'll encounter in your food. Another thing to remember, about 90% of all corn grown in the U.S. is genetically engineered. That's sad news, isn't it? Yeah, it's really sick. Oh. Anyway, um, there's um, something real, you know, something really interesting. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, actually. But one thing that uh, just came up, how turmeric kills cancer cells. Anti-cancer effects of the turmeric pigment extend well beyond its ability to block carcinogens. The anti-cancer effect of curcumin mainly results from the multitude of ways it regulates programmed cell death. It's estimated that the human body consists of 10 or so trillion cells. That's a million million. Almost all these cells get turned over within approximately 100 days. We're like a new person every three months. We reinvent ourselves physically. And since we're just made up of three things, air, water, and food, those are the only inputs. We are what we eat literally, physically. In a sense, our body has to rebuild itself every three months with the building materials we deliver to it through our stomach. Right? Our mouths are like the access road to the continual construction site to our body. Trucks roll in three times a day. What do we want them to deliver? Some shoddy, cheap stuff we scrounged around for or bought at a discount outlet that's just going to fall apart? Or do we want to build our foundation solid? Right? We are each walking around inside the greatest known architectural structures in the universe. Let's not ruin such grand blueprints by consuming junk. Anyway, we only own the biological real estate we're born with, so if we need to rebuild every three months, we also need a wrecking crew, right? If we're replacing 10 trillion every 100 days, that means we have to kill off like 100 billion cells every day, normally, out with the old and with the new. We do that primarily through a process called apoptosis, pre-programmed cell death. 
from the Greek tosis, meaning falling, and apo, meaning away from. So it's ourselves falling away from our body. For example, we all used to have webbed fingers and toes. Literally, each one of us in the womb until about four months. Then apoptosis kicks in, and the cells in the webbing between, in between kill themselves off to separate our fingers. Some cells in our body overstay their welcome, though, like cancer cells. They don't die when they're supposed to by somehow turning off their suicide genes. What can we do about it? Well, one of the ways curry kills cancer cells is by reprogramming the self-destruct mechanism back into cancer cells. Let me just run through one of these pathways. Just so you can see the complexity. FAST is a so-called death receptor, which activates that FAST-associated death domain along with death receptor 5 and death receptor 4. FAD then activates caspase 8, which ignites the death machine and kills the cell. Where does curry powder fit into all this? In cancer cells, curcumin, the pigment in the spiced turmeric that makes curry powder yellow, upregulates and activates death receptors, as has been demonstrated in human kidney cancer cells, as well as skin cancer and nose and throat cancer. can also activate the death machine directly, as has been shown in lung cancer and colon cancer. Caspases are so-called executioner enzymes that, when activated, destroy the cancer cell from within by chopping up proteins left and right, kind of death by a thousand cuts. And that's just one pathway. Here's all the other ways curcumin can affect apoptosis. And here's the, all the different types of cancer cells curcumin can kill. Uh, but it tends to leave normal cells alone for reasons that are not fully understood. Overall, this review showed that curcumin can kill a wide variety of tumor cell types through diverse mechanisms. And it's because curcumin can affect numerous mechanisms of cell death at the same time, it's possible that cancer cells may not easily develop resistance to curcumin-induced cell death like they do to most chemotherapy. Furthermore, its ability to kill tumor cells and not normal cells makes curcumin an attractive candidate for supper. can't make money on some spice you can buy anywhere an attractive candidate for drug development. Okay. Well, that's, that's turmeric, which is curry powder, which is curcumin, right? So goes on there several names, but uh, check it out, it's turmeric, and you can buy this stuff. It's very, very cheap. And, uh, and I wonder how much people would have to take if they... Uh Very good point. So I just want to go back to this here one second. 
second thing on and do that, do that, dang. Um, one thing that I found was kind of interesting was, um, we talked about this before, we haven't heard much about Greece in the, in the last uh, many months, but it turns out that exactly what we predicted or what was predicted is Greece is going to have to sell off its national monuments. Oh, that's horrible. Greece protests over government plans to sell off historic national buildings. Okay. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's, 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 it's well, tragic. Yeah, historic I mean, Parthenon and everything else. Buildings, I can't imagine, that, that, I just can't imagine how the Greek people must feel about that. horrible. An angry demonstration that happened oh. after public buildings around the Acropolis and other landmarks, including in privatization list. Oh, yeah, I'm sure somebody's salivating about that. Oh, yeah. Yes. The IMF. Mm. Where else? That's terrible. Yeah. We've already sold off all our parks and everything else. Well, we haven't sold them. We just given them to, uh, as collateral, which is nobody even knows that. No, nobody like knows. Like selling them, we'll never uh, give them back. And Clinton did it. Clinton was the one that the signed the Democratic hero. Freaking memo. My God, you know. And his his hard wife is is running for president. Oh. I mean, that 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 this is beyond my. One uh, Clinton was enough. I know. I Oh, it's because. like one bush was enough, and then we got two. I know. God, I'm sorry. It's like we're going to have a problem getting this thing up here. Hmm. Hang on. While well, you're trying to get that up, here's uh, something, that, here's uh, something that's kind of interesting. Boycott Israel app and final stages of development. The Boycott Israel movement is developing a smartphone application that will allow followers to avoid Israeli products. The campaign for Palestinian rights continues to gather momentum despite Israeli accusations of anti-Semitism. The BDS, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement, is working on the beta version of an app for its supporters drawing on a comprehensive database of warehousing product names and descriptions. The app will allow users to scan products to find out immediately whether they fall within the boycott's guidelines. The founder of Penn BDS, Abbas Nasqui, told the Business Insider that the app will allow the average Joe to dynamically and quickly identify products that fall within the BDS boycott guidelines. That's very much well, it's more modern, of course, but very similar to the kinds of things that people did to South Africa, which forced the end of the apartheid system. And what's happening in Israel is another kind of apartheid. It's created a whole second class, and they've put up fences to have open-air concentration camps of the Palestinian people. And this way it'll put pressure on Israel. It'll be economic pressure. Yeah, but, you know, let's talk about economic pressure. Here's, here's these sons of bitches that are raising millions of dollars to, for uh, to, to, for the occupied forces. Yeah. Okay, of, uh, you know, raising money for Egypt to, to continue to occupy a Palestinian forces, uh, Palestine. Uh, it says U.S. organization raises $20 million in donations for occupation forces. Yeah. 
The U.S.-based Friends of the IDF organization has managed in one night to raise $20 million, equal to about 70 million Israeli shekels, uh, during its yearly gala in New York City to support Israel's occupation forces in Palestine. The money will be allocated on programs that are intended to ensure the well-being of Israel's young soldiers. This year, the organization succeeded in this and exceeding previous fundraising efforts. Records. The event was held by a luxurious in the, at the luxurious Waldorf Astoria Hotel on Park Avenue on Wednesday evening in the presence of about 1,400 attendees from the United States, Israel, and other countries. IDF Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Barry Gantz, who attended the event in person, accompanied by a number of soldiers as well, uh, former uh, Israeli Chief of Staff Gabi uh, Ashkenazi, uh, thanked the donors and organizers for choosing to stand by our side and open our hearts to our soldiers. Well, Gantz told the attendees that I strongly value the friends of the IDF organization and its members, and I appreciate their commitment to support the Army, while strongly condemning the efforts made by the terrorists who try to smuggle weapons into the Gaza Strip, according to Israel Today, newspapers in Thursday morning edition. So defending yourself, he considered the yeah, terrorists? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, the newspapers pointed out that a presentation shown during the gala night about the occupation forces, our army, was dominated by a variety of activities for the Israeli Air Force. And the U.S. government gives annually more than $3 billion in military aid to Israel, in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars of assistance given through defense appropriations. This is absolutely criminal, folks, what we're doing. And, you know, and, and, you know I, who cares about Israel, okay, except these crazy bastards? You know, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't understand any of it, all right? Boycott Israel app. Now, this is my kind of, my kind of thing, all right? Uh, you know, this is a good idea. Boycott Israel app. Well, that's what I just read about. I just read the whole thing on it. When did you read that? I just read it before at BDS. Oh. Boycott Israel movement. Boycott divestment and sanctions. They're going to have an app put on the phone. I, I thought it was great. Right. Oh, I, I missed that. Sorry. I just read the whole article. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, anyway. Uh, you know that Nancy Pelosi said, we have to pass the bill so you can find out what's in it. That's the Obamacare. Well, James Madison said, it will be of little avail to the people if the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read or so incoherent that they cannot be understood. And that's exactly what Obamacare became. Right? Well, here's an interesting thing. Great markets and the crimes of Wall Street, banker suicides, the prequel to a global financial collapse. I think that's interesting. And uh, if we have time to, I want to do another video that says, uh, what happens after you refuse a police search? The onset of the Great Depression of the 1930s brought a spike in suicides, Will Rogers noted of the time. When Wall Street took that tailspin, 
You had to stand in line to get a window to jump out of, and speculators were selling space for bodies in the East River. Winston Churchill, the day after Black Friday, observed, Under my very window, a gentleman cast himself down 15 stories and was dashed to pieces, causing a wild commotion and the arrival of the fire brigade. Nearly 85 years later, the phenomena of banker suicide appears to have returned. The week of January 20th would be the last for Swiss REAG Communications Director Tim Dickinson, but wouldn't be the last in the string of deaths and suicides for international bankers. Just days after Dickinson's death on January 26th, police found former Deutsche Bank executive Bill Brooksmith in his South Kensington, London home after he'd hung himself. The next day, on January 27th, J.P. Morgan senior manager Gabriel McGee jumped 500 feet to his death from their central London headquarters. He was only 39 years old. A few days later, January 29th, chief economist for the Seattle-based Russell Investments, Mike Duker, was reported missing by friends. He was found later at the base of a 50-foot embankment. Police called it a suicide. February 4th, in a bizarre manner of death, the coroner ruled suicide for Richard Tolley, 57 years old. He founded American Title Services in Centennial, Colorado, and he had a total of eight wounds to his body and head, the method of death, a nail gun. Last week, February 17th, Dennis Lee Junji jumped to his death shortly after lunch from the roof of the Asian headquarters for J.P. Morgan. He was only 33. In the last eight months, there have been at least 12 reported deaths of bankers perishing under questionable circumstances. High-stress banking careers are being blamed for the recent suicides. However, the answer may not be that simple. Returning to the program via Skype from his New York office, to give us insight into these deaths is Gerald Salente, the publisher of the Trans Journal. And, Gerald, thank you for uh, sending us a copy. We're glad to have it. Uh, Gerald, I just ran down a short list of bankers who have committed suicide or died under strange circumstances out of the gate. What is going on here? Well, you know, it, it's hard to speculate. You know, you don't know what's going on in these people's personal lives, but the, the data is adding up to failure in, in a big way. People forget that as the new year began, the equity markets have dumped over $3 trillion in January. And then people also forget that there is a string of investigations going on that really don't make the news. People wonder, you know, they, they speculate. They call it a conspiracy theory, that the markets are rigged. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. Look who these bankers are. You said it. They're international bankers. We know that there are investigations going on that the LIBOR rates were rigged. And we're talking about $700 trillion worth of rigging. And you mentioned the list of international bankers, from Deutsche Bank to J.P. Morgan Chase. A lot of these are coming from J.P. Morgan. What was you know, over the past eight months? We're beginning to see these reports now. Suddenly, it seems one after another. What was the significant event that triggered this? Do you think? Again, these investigations. Look at the forex market. We're talking about what? About Five point three trillion dollars a day in currencies being traded. And when you look at where these people are coming from, these are the markets a lot of them were in. And then you look at 
other markets that are being rigged and they're under investigation, and you can put the pieces together. This comes from Jim Cramer, the guy that's on CNBC all the time. He's on Yahoo tick, tech, Ticker or tech, Tick Taper or whatever it's called, and he said, quote, the markets are rigged. So who knew what went is the question that keeps coming up in my mind. So who are these investigating bodies? Who are the investigating bodies that are, that are looking into these uh, individuals? Oh, it, it's, both, it's both coming out of Germany. It's coming out of Brussels. It's coming out of England. It's coming out of the U.S. These investigations are going on. As a matter of fact, there was a big story that just broke recently about the LIBOR rigging where the United States and the U.K. have to get on board better because one's undercutting the other. These are real investigations. How far will they go? Who knows? When will they stop? Nobody knows. But here's the other fact. We know that all the crimes that have been committed by Wall Street, not one had his role. Not one. And, and again, this is a conspiracy theory because you look at the fines that were paid by the Goldman Sachs gang, <coughs> the J.P. Morgan Chase criminals, the Deutsche Bank bandits. They pay the fines, but nobody's head rolls. And when the only heads that do roll are the low-level people within the organization. And these are, the, are these the people that are committing suicide? They can very well be, because maybe they know too much. Because, let's face it, you don't rig LIBOR, you don't rig Forex, you don't rig the markets, without the people at the top knowing about it. So what they're doing is they're cutting off the link that goes to the top. Mm -hmm. That's my best speculation. And again, I only could speculate by the facts that have been presented to us. Again, this is Jim Cramer, this guy that has a show on CNBC every weekday night saying, quote, the markets are rigged. So now the riggers may be getting off. So do you think that, do you think that obviously these are all bankers, and you mentioned the investigation. Do you think that there are other ties between uh, uh, these individuals? You know, again, it's hard to speculate, but go back in the United States and listen to the round of minutes that were from the Federal Reserve back in 2008. Not the last round. They only, they only released them, by the way, every five years. How about that for transparency? <laughs> you go back to the round that was released before this last one, and you see that Timothy Geithner, who became Treasury Secretary, when he was the head of the New York Fed, calling up the guy that's the head of Citibank and giving him a tip according to the minutes, that they're going to be doing something with interest rates. So when you know that something's going to happen with interest rates and you're in the business of making money off that, is that an inside tip? When you have the president of the New York Fed calling the CEO of Citigroup and telling them that the... Federal Reserve is about to make an interest rate announcement and gives them a hint of where it's going. 
So what I'm saying is there's collusion from the top. It's there. It's proven. So now, why are these guys jumping out of buildings or blowing their brains out? Do they know too much? Well, I want to get to that in a minute. But what you just mentioned about the insider tips, is that legal activity? The whole thing is a criminal operation. <laughs> I mean, come on. Whether it's the financial end or, the, or going to war, it's a criminal operation. How many, you know, I have to tell you, these bankers committing suicide, you know, people are looking for, you know, the smoking gun. They don't need another smoking gun. Look at the fines that have been levied against the banks since 2008. How much more proof is needed? Look at what I just said about Timothy Geithner telling the CEO of Citigroup down in, in, in Charlotte, South Carolina, or North Carolina, or whatever Carolina, that they're going to be adjusting interest rates. Is that a criminal activity? Is invading a foreign country on the false pretenses a criminal activity? The gangs are in charge. When are people going to get it in their heads? They're murderers and they're thieves. They're the bloods and the crips, but people pretend to call them Democrats and Republicans. I don't say that facetiously. They are both are murderers. How many more millions do they have to murder in false wars? How, many more, how much more money do they have to steal from us to give to their buddies in the banking, financial, and corporate sector and call it too big to fail? When are people going to grow up? How much more information is needed? How much more data has to be piled on top of new data to show that they're crooks and murderers? Well, I ask you this. You mentioned the media. In large part, we're seeing that these reports are coming from international news outlets. Has the U.S. media, NBC, CBS, ABC, been reporting on these suicides? Barely. They're the prostitutes. They're bought and paid for by the D.C. drama queens, the, 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 uh, the Beltway jerks, and the Wall Street white shoe boys gang. Look who owns them. Look at the monopoly. Look who just had dinner with, with President Obama and French President Hollande, the senior vice president of, uh, of Comcast, Cohen. Oh, Comcast is just now buying up Time Warner. They also just bought up a year ago NBC Universal. Only little kids could believe this garbage that we have a free press. We have prostitutes that get paid to do what they're supposed to do, put out the D.C. and the Wall Street gang. What's your take on the FCC uh, program that would have made newsrooms required to uh, report on how they select the news? Why should anyone be surprised? Who from NSA is listening to us talk now? Who's watching what you do every time you get on the Internet? Look at all of our Fourth Amendment rights have been robbed from us. Mm -hmm. Go to 
the airport, get felt up. How much more proof do Americans need to what's happened? Am I surprised? I want to make this really clear. And you don't have to be a wizard to fix, figure it out. I hear people complaining, you know, this is Obama, he's a socialist, he's a Marxist. No, he's not. He's a fascist. Just like the one before him and the one before him. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that as a throwaway line or to incite people to become angry and incensed. I say it as a fact. Mm -hmm. Four words. Killed American capitalism and destroyed the nation. Two big to fail. The merger of state and corporate powers. Yeah. It's fascism by definition. Not from me, from Mussolini, a guy that knew a thing or two about it. So when you say about the FCC, it's a fascist takeover. Look what the cops do to people, beating the hell out of them from jaywalking, like that little girl in, in, in Texas a couple of, a week ago. She had her headphones on, and she couldn't hear the guys, the cops, these big, tough guys, telling her she's jaywalking, so they, they throw her down to the ground, they put handcuffs on her and throw her into a car. Can't see people who do what's going on. So it's, just, it, it's on the FCC. What a surprise. They may have a camera in my bathroom. Yeah, I mean, look what's going on, and the people keep taking it. They keep arguing. Who's better, the Bloods or the Crips, the Democrats or Republicans? In a, in a frightening frequency, uh, Joe, let's go back to 2008. Did we see these kinds of suicides during the 2008 market crash? No. No, we didn't. So what's the difference then? What's the difference between 08 and now? What it was the difference between 08 and now is that in 08, people were still naive. Mm -hmm. They believed that it was the fundamentals of the economy became unsound. They did not know about all the dirty dealings behind that kept this thing going, so a lot was covered up. This is a very different story now. The investigations are going on. People realize that there's a cover-up. You haven't seen one head on Wall Street roll other than the low-level guys. And now these investigations are intensifying, particularly coming out of Europe. And possibly too many know too much about the real extent of the dirty deal. And that's what I want to ask next, because people kill themselves when they feel there's absolutely no hope for the future. Do these bankers know something about the global economy that the rest of the world is in the dark on? I don't think they know more about the global economy than the rest of the world is dark upon, but because most of the people that understand this, what's going on, understand the reality of it. My best speculation is they knew too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's been a deal with the mafia forever. So when you say they, know, they knew too much, I, like you mentioned the mafia, that really sounds like, okay, we're going to off this guy, we're going we're gonna to put a hit on him, and we're going to take him out of the equation. Now, these, we're being told that these are suicides. Do you think that there's something else going on, that these are, these are murders and not suicides? Who knows? Who knows what's going on? Read my lips. No new taxes. I didn't have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. I smoked, but I didn't inhale. 
Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and ties to al-Qaeda. Why would anyone in their right mind believe one word coming out of the mouths of criminals, psychopaths, and sociopaths? We know nothing. It's a grand cover-up. It's an, as I said, it's a fascist takeover. They're only giving us the information that they want to give us, and when the Freedom of Information Act forces them to give us what they've been hiding, they reject all things. Freedom of nothing. Your country is as free as Nazi Germany when you talk about the FCC being in the newsroom, when you talk about the NSA spying on us, when you talk about going into the airport and get felt up and patted down. So, Gerald, back to the suicides, you know, animals have a sense of impending disaster. They're often seen fleeing areas where earthquakes are about to strike. Canaries were used to detect poisonous gases deep in mine shafts. When they died, the miner knew to get out. Should these suicides be seen in a similar light? You know, to an extent, we're looking at the decline of the world economy. They can't keep this thing going. Again, anyone with a half a brain and a little bit of interest only has to read the last releases that came out a week ago of the Federal Reserve Minutes from 2008. And you can decide for yourself what a bunch of incompetent clowns are running the show. They didn't have a clue what was going on as the worst of what was going on. The Fed Chair, Janet Yellen, you can read her comments that she expected growth in 2008 at the level of 1.5%. You can read her comments, the person that's in charge now, of how long she was as we're hitting the worst of the worst yet to come. So do you, so, so do you, believe, do you believe that these suicides are going to continue? I believe that things are going to get much worse and that for whatever reason, people losing their future, losing their present, being involved in schemes that they don't want to be caught for, yeah, people are going to kill themselves, whether it's in the banking system, the financial system, or a neighbor near you. When, when people lose everything and have nothing left to lose, they lose it. To tie this right into, you know, is this a grand conspiracy? I would say it's part of it, but I wouldn't say it's all of it. There are too many things going on in people's personal lives that somebody from the outside can't judge on. You know, I want to ask you about, about Mt. Gox and the disappearance of, of that massive Bitcoin exchange. What are your thoughts on that? Pick up the Trends Journal that you have, the last edition, and there's a big story on Bitcoin. And we made it very clear that it wasn't one that we can see a future in because the central banks and governments around the world are not going to let a currency surpass their fiat currency. The same reason why we believe that the federal central banks are driving down gold prices. And again, a conspiracy theory, as much as a conspiracy theory, that they're rigging the LIBOR rate, they're rigging the Forex, and they're rigging the market. So now you had a new competitor in 
in here. It's not going to happen. The central banks are not going to allow competition. So it's no surprise to us. It's what we told Trend Journal subscribers to beware of, you know, four months ago. So, Gerald, what's your advice then to America, given these suicides and, and the way you see things forecast? I don't give advice. I only, see, you know, I only speak for myself. And I say, and again, our, we make forecasts, not advice. And our forecast is that the global economy is going to continue to deteriorate. The tapering is not going to work, and they're going to create a new round of stimulus. When they create that new round of stimulus, they'll call it something else. Just like they made up quantitative easing that no one ever heard about before. They'll make up a new line and a new lie. Oh, about going back again to the Federal Reserve minutes? Again, read them. Everybody should read them, as much of them as they can stomach. And you'll find out that the Federal Reserve Bank in the United States is dumping in about $600 billion into foreign banks. Like, so, folks, um, $600, well, you told me to shut it off no. that we were getting time. If you want to see, listen to more of that, you can. You can go to David Icke and you can get it on his site. Um, there's probably 15 more minutes to go. So yeah, it's quite long. It's um, quite a long so anyway, one, but it's, uh, but it's really it. worth listening to, folks. We're just out of time now, and I was sorry to cut that off. All right. So good night, everybody. And join us tomorrow night so we do a little union news and views, and maybe we can play the rest of that. Have a great night, folks. Right. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.